hello guys what the heck is up so if i sound kind of off um i'm not feeling the best i think i don't know so i work at a childcare center and obviously every sickness always is going around but last night i was so close to vomiting like i really thought i was gonna throw up and it was funny because my first thought was like oh my god if i get sick i can't record my podcast there are worse things in life than not being able to record your podcast. Um, but not to me. So today, we are going to try and zoom through things as fast as possible because um, this is 12 pages long. And my normal like 30 to 40 minute episodes are 6 pages. So yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna try to do this as fast as possible. But... Um, I'm gonna wait to tell you what we're doing. So, right now, I'm going to start to crocheting this, uh, cow print project that I've been working on for a while. It got put off a little bit because I ran out of yarn and then I had some custom orders that I had to work on, but we're gonna do that. Um, and, yeah. Um, I'm also trying to get Matthew on the podcast. Matthew's a history major and I feel like getting that kind of input would be really cool if we were talking about like a historic event um in this weekend we are going out to eat because it's our seven year anniversary uh that's kind of cool um i'm just reading off of this like bullet point list that i have that i always want to talk about like i i open up a document and i just write like random things that i think of throughout the week that i'm like oh yeah i want to talk about that oh yeah i want to talk about that um, so apparently the talking about our seven year anniversary is important. It kind of is. That's kind of cool. Um, you're going to hear me push my chair down real quick. Hold on. Oh, just kidding. It's all the way down. Um, yes, I got a chair. Um, I got the chair Monday, I think, but it's super nice. Now I'm not sitting on a bar stool and cracking my back every time I bend over. Um, oh my gosh, guys. So I... Since I go through Anchor, like, the only, uh, what do you call it, like, platform that I'm signed in as Crochet and Crime on is Anchor. So, like, I basically just, like, like you guys on Spotify and Apple and all that, like, I just see the podcast as itself, not as my podcast. Um, but I was, like, looking it up on all the platforms the other day just to see, like, what it looked like on the all the other platforms, because the only platform that I really used to like make sure that the sound quality is fine is um Spotify but I saw that on Apple I have reviews and oh my goodness those reviews like you guys don't even know I could have the worst day and then I go on and I get a new review and I'm like oh so thank you so much for I think there's four people that I reviewed maybe five um thank you so much that like I don't know, it, I, it's just, it's so cool to see that, like, this podcast positively impacts people, um, but yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, um, also, on one of the reviews, someone spoke about merch, so I'm still working on merch, I promise it will be here eventually, um, my stomach just growled, it's, the reason it's taking so long is it's, it's just me figuring these things out, like, I don't know what I'm doing, and I, I don't have help, so I'm just, you know, 
we're just going we're just going um so today we're going to talk about ryan and sarah widmer and if you don't know who those people are you're in for a freaking treat so before we get started i'm gonna go ahead and you know you know pause take a big gulp of coffee um get myself situated and then and then we're gonna go I'll see you in two seconds, but for me, maybe four minutes. You probably always ask yourself, like, hey, idiot, why don't you get yourself situated before you start the podcast? And it's because I'm antsy and I move so much. And I thought that buying, like, a rotating chair would help, but it really didn't. It made things worse. Um, but we, like I said, we don't have much time. Um, I mean, we do have time. We have a lot of time. But... We got to get this going because this episode's going to be so long. I thought about splitting it up into a two-parter, but I don't know. I just feel like that's A, unnecessary, um, and B, too much work for me. Okay. Ryan Whitmer and Sarah Stewart met on a blind date set up by Sarah's friend, Dana Kist, who was married to Ryan's college roommate. The date went amazing, and the two led into a full-blown relationship. They seemed to be exactly what one another needed. Ryan was calm, laid back, and Sarah was extremely organized and on top of things. It didn't take long for Ryan and Sarah to... English? It didn't take long for Ryan to bring Sarah home to meet his mother, Jill. In early 2008, the couple decided to go house hunting and ended up buying a four-bedroom house in a nice neighborhood. Soon after the house was purchased, the couple got engaged and wedding invitations were sent out. Sounds like a military couple, (laughs) hee hee. Uh, the wedding was in April of 2008, and the new- newlyweds went to Costa Rica for the honeymoon. Um, when they arrived back in Cincinnati, they, they easily settled into their new life as Mr. and Mrs. Whitmer. Um, does it bother anybody else when, like, people get married and, in this case, they're like, I welcome you, Mr. and Mrs. Ryan Whitmer. I'm like, oh, I don't think I changed my first name. Last I checked. Um... I don't know. I just hate that they say, like, the guy's name. Um, but that's just me being bothered by anything that I feel is stepping on my self as a female. Anyways, with their whole lives ahead of them, they started planning for renovations on their new house. Um, they built a new deck at the back of their home, and they were in the process of adopting a puppy, along with planning a trip to Cancun, Mexico. Eventful. Um, on August 8th, 2008, after a long day of working as a sports planner for the county, Ryan claims that he came home and the couple had dinner. This dinner was leftover hamburgers, corn on the cob, and cheesy potatoes. Cheesy potatoes sounds so good right now. Um, after this, Ryan and Sarah had watched TV. Her shows first, and then she let him watch the Cincinnati Bengals preseason opener against the Green Bay Packers. Um, I don't give a single crap about um football but I do know that Joe Burrow plays for the Bengals um and now that I'm saying that out loud I think that he might not play for the Bengals but he is the only reason I'll ever watch football case closed um where was I not talking about Bengals um Sarah gave Ryan a kiss said that said that she loved him and went upstairs to take a hot bath Sarah asked Ryan to check the doors before he came upstairs. That sounds like me asking Matthew to lock all the doors. Lock all the doors. We have one door in our apartment. Lock the front door. Um, 
and Ryan said that she walked on her tippy toes as she often did. She walked away on her tippy toes as she often did. This may seem like a dumb detail to add, but just keep that little keep that little thing in mind for later. She walked on her tippy toes. Um Sarah went upstairs to take the hot bath in the master bedroom because these hot baths apparently helped Sarah when she was dealing with bad headaches that she often dealt with. Um, Later that night, though, Ryan went upstairs only to find his wife non-responsive in the bathtub. So he quickly called 911, and the dispatcher asked Ryan what the emergency was, to which he responded, and I quote, My wife. She fell asleep in the bathtub, I think. I was downstairs, I just came up here, and she was lying face down in the bathtub. He said laying, but that's grammatically incorrect, so lying. Um, the EMTs arrived at the home shortly. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I, if I'm getting sick, I will fight every single virus with my own hands. The EMTs arrived shortly at the home after the call and performed CPR. They rushed Sarah to the hospital, but then they... But by then, they'd already worked on her for 45 minutes, and sadly, Sarah was gone. Um, Sarah and Ryan had only been married for 114 days. So you're probably thinking what I'm thinking. Um, Something seems a little fishy. So Sarah falls... Yes, that. Sarah falls asleep in the tub and drowns. Ryan finds her, calls 911, but... For paramedics, police, and even the 911 dispatcher, things are not adding up. Um, or us, honey. Things are not adding up for us either. So, Ryan told paramedics that he was pretty sure Sarah had fallen asleep in the tub and drowned. Um, I typed droned. She just turned into a drone and was flying around the bathroom. That's not funny. She's dead. But the responding EMTs thought that there was something off about the situation. I'm sorry. I need to blow my nose. I'll be right back. Oh my god. If you know me in real life, you know that I'm always sick too, so my podcast friends are now seeing that. Um, I just have the literal worst immune system known to man, and it sucks. Um, Okay, so Sarah had fallen asleep in the tub and droned, but the responding EMT thought there was something off about the situation. When Lieutenant Jeff Braley um, arrived at the scene, he was expecting to see the signs of drowning, like froth around the victim's nose and mouth maybe even some evidence of drugs or alcohol. But when he arrived, EMTs had already put Sarah in the back of the ambulance. The arriving officer told them that he had found Sarah in the master bedroom lying on the rug from the bathroom. He said he felt for a pulse and administered CPR on a dry body with wet hair. That's, I mean, you know, bodies can dry. Um, and hair stays wet longer because it's porous. But... The 911 dispatcher um, had instructed Ryan Woodmer to get Sarah out of the tub and put her on the floor. He then went away for a moment and said, and then he came back to say that he'd moved her from the tub to the bedroom. This is when the dispatcher told him to attempt CPR. Bradley went into the master bedroom expecting to see water on the floor or even towels. Um, All he saw were a couple of droplets around the drain in the tub. So even the towel on the floor was completely dry. Which, yeah, okay, we're starting to look a little weird. Um, Braley was left with a drowning victim who wasn't even wet. Um, A drowning victim who had apparently fallen asleep in the tub, face down in the water, but the bathroom was dry. 
Everything around the tub was undisturbed, even though her husband Ryan had pulled her body out of a tub and moved her to the bedroom. Uh, for Braley, it seemed that someone had wiped the tub down. There apparently was a, like, Lysol or Clorox wipe sitting on the side of the tub, but I will say, me personally, when I don't take baths very often, um, because I have an extreme phobia of hair, it's really fun to deal with, um, but when I do take baths, I like to wipe down that little ledge, um, of the tub, because, like, when your shampoo bottles sit on there and you don't touch it very often, it gets dusty and it gets nasty. I'm going to vomit thinking about it, but I'd like to wipe it down too. Okay. Um, crime scene investigators arrived and began to take photos and then they cut out the pieces of carpet where a mixture of blood and fluid had stained the carpet. I'm sorry, you just heard me kick a Hobby Lobby bag. How on brand? Um, the stains were common in drownings, but Burley wondered if there was another explanation. So, when Braley left the Woodmore house at 2 a.m., he knew he was looking into a suspicious death. I just spit. Um, he asked himself how long, or he asked himself, how long had Sarah been out of the tub, and had she been on the floor long enough for her body to dry? Was it possible for Ryan to drag Sarah out of the tub without knocking anything over? Did Sarah have a habit of wiping down the tub before she took a bath? What happened to Sarah on the floor of the bedroom? Those are the things he asked himself. Um, police were quick to point a finger at Ryan Widmer, but his friends and family did not agree. Uh, Sarah's friend Dana, who had set them up on a blind date, claimed that it was not possible. And Sarah had to call Dana, a nurse, asking for her opinion on persistent headaches that she had been having. Hmm. Dana then recounted how Sarah, since she was a child, had a habit of falling asleep in the most random places at the most random times. Were these headaches and odd sleeping habits pointing towards a condition that might be, that might explain her sudden death? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Um, even Sarah's mother-in-law, Jill, noticed her habit of falling asleep. Uh, during a 2007 Christmas, during the 2007 Christmas holidays, um, Jill was taking home videos and caught Sarah sound asleep in the corner of the living room, surrounded by a noisy group of, like, Oh, my stomach hurts. A noisy group of 15 to 20 people. Um, my sister, personally, could totally do this. She's literally a nap napping expert. Like, there could be a train running through the house, and her happy little butt would be sitting on the couch asleep. Um, but she's anemic, so I think she kind of has a reason. <laughs> um... Jill also claimed that Sarah fell asleep at the dinner table and while riding in a car, um, and that she would even fall asleep at the beginning of movies. Also something my mother could do, you flip a movie on and she's out. Um, meanwhile, I get five hours of sleep a night, if I'm lucky, so <laughs> I'm not mad. Um, anyways, Dana used to joke that Sarah had narcolepsy, to which Sarah would say that she's just tired all the time. Hmm. Had Sarah possibly fallen asleep in the tub and drowned? I don't know. Um, Ryan said this is what happened. And did Dylan, D Dylan and Jaina, did Dana and Jill's observations hold up to medical science? Of course not. Because then solving this case would be way too easy, right? So, according to the pathologist, there was no evidence of a stroke or a heart attack. The medical examiner did find something notable. 
um, Sarah had unexplained bruising to her scalp and the nape of her neck. So for Lieutenant Braley, the story wasn't adding up the way that Ryan was describing it. Uh, Sarah had been murdered, and the police thought that Ryan did it. So just a few days later, Ryan was charged with aggravated murder. Um, by Ryan's own admission, he was the only person in the house when Sarah died, but it was either that or he was covering for someone else, so. Oh, my throat just did a little gurgle thing. I'm sorry, I'm making so many bodily noises today. Um, let's hope that you guys aren't, uh, what's that word for people that can't stand, like, breathing and stuff like that? I don't know, my podcast would not be the one for you because I make a lot of noises. Um... I'll go ahead and read Sarah's obituary, um, and if you don't want to listen to that, skip ahead, like, a minute, um, maybe not a minute, but a while. So, Widmer Sarah Ann, 24, of Hamilton Township, died Monday, August 11th, on, er, 2008, at Bethesda, what, um, Bethesda Arrow Springs, uh, she was born in Kettering on January 2nd, 1984, to her parents, Michael A. and Ruth Ann Stewart. Sarah worked as a dental hygienist for Dr. John Becker. She was a member of the St. Susanna Catholic Church, and she is survived by her husband, Ryan K. Widmer, her mother, Ruth Ann Stewart, and her brother, Mike Stewart. Her grandparents, Ruth Klein and Lori Stewart, and she was preceded in death by her father, Michael A. Stewart. Private inurnment will be at Butler County Memorial Park at the convenience of the family. Um, I just wanted to read that to give Sarah, like, more than a murder case so you kind of know a bit about her and, like, her background so that she has a person to her, not just a case. Um, anyways, friends and family posted messages online describing how much Sarah was loved and would be missed, um... I won't be reading those because they'll make me cry. Um, Honestly, this case kind of hits hard, like, because you'll see later there are literally no answers, really. Um, And this case kind of reminds me of my aunt who passed away. Uh, If you know me in real life or through photos, you'll see that I have a tattoo on my forearm that has the numbers 333. Um, People always think it's satanic, but it's literally a spirit number that me and my family think that she uses to let us all know that she's still here. Um, but my aunt, a day before her birthday, fell in her living room and basically, like, went brain dead. Um, and that's about all we know. We just know that she hit her head, and we don't know if the damage to her brain was caused before she hit, and that's why she fell, or if it was caused because she fell. Um, that's, yeah, that's all we know. But this is about Sarah, not me. (laughs) So, I, I do want to read Dana's message because I feel like it's really touching, um, Dana is the one that introduced Sarah and Ryan together, and she's the one that's been Sarah's friend forever. So, Dana said, um, Sarah, I miss you so much. Every time I look at my beautiful children, I think of how much I I wish you were still here to see them. I tell them all the time that they have their own personal guardian angel who watches over them. I love you, and I will always remember our great times together. Love, Dana. Cute. So, Sarah and Ryan Widmer had only been married for 114 days before she was found dead. Um, on the surface, the couple had everything. Plus, Ryan didn't have a criminal record, and there was no apparent history of conflict or problems in the marriage. So, with Ryan sitting in jail, everyone kind of wondered what the motive he would have had for 
Sarah, murdering Sarah was. Um, according to police, neither of them were having an affair, and there was no money troubles or anger issues. And police really could not find a motive for Sarah's death. Uh, initially, even Sarah's family supported Ryan. Sarah's brother, Mike Stewart, even asked if the presiding judge would lower Ryan's bond amount so that he could attend his wife's funeral. Um, and Ryan's family ended up covering his bond, and he went to live with his mother. Uh, but Ruth, Sarah's mother, said that she noticed the couple fighting a bit before they were even married. Um, they weren't exactly the perfect couple like everyone thought they were. Prior to their wedding in April, Ruth and Ryan and uh, Ruth said Ryan and Sarah argued over minor things like where to hang pictures in their new house. But to be fair, coming from someone who's extremely nitpicky about like things <laughs> in general, Matthew and I argue over minor stuff like that too. Like the extent of the arguing is kind of what's important because because between Matthew and I it's like not real arguing um I'm just like oh my god don't do that you know um but who knows what it was like between them uh, you know uh Ruth said that she also noticed Ryan watching Sarah spending like a hawk um she said we would be out shopping and as soon as she would buy something he would call her on the phone and ask her why she bought it and if she really needed it uh yeah it's a bit more sus that's a, that's a little bit of a red flag um, the trial of the so-called bathtub murder began on April 2009, just one year after Sarah and Ryan got married. The prosecution's, prosecution's case was pretty much, um, for unknown reasons, the couple had a violent fight and Sarah ended up dead. The emergency dispatcher said that Ryan gave a lot of information during the 911 call that night, um, more than he usually hears when he gets calls. Uh, Ryan, Ryan seemed rather calm and that he usually can't get as much information out of the callers. Um, just a tip from a psychology fanatic here. Uh, if anybody is explaining things in like major detail, um, especially when they usually don't, they're probably lying. Like if someone, um, I just studied a case with like, uh, at school, I studied a case with someone who had been like dealing with, uh, loved one who was highly 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 into drugs um and that person was trying to get clean and the guy said that he knew his wife was um falling back into drugs when she would say things like um oh yeah I went here today and while I was there I did this and this and this and then I went there and I did this and this and this when usually she would just be like, oh yeah, I just went to the store and then I came home because she was trying to set up a uh, timeline for herself so that she wouldn't, quote, in quotes, wouldn't have any time to go do drugs. Um, so they're probably lying if they're over explaining. But he started his story with, I was downstairs watching TV. This, sorry, I did not preface that. The dispatcher said that Ryan started his story with, I was downstairs watching TV, and my wife fell asleep in the tub. Well, how does he know that? Why is it important for him to establish where he was and what he was doing? Hmm. Warren County's Sheriff Deputy Steve Bishop. There's so many names in this case, I'm so sorry. Um, Steve was the first arriving officer that day. Um, he said that he noticed something odd, that Sarah's body was dry and her hair was damp. Then there were her fingers and toes. Sarah was apparently in the water for 20 to 30 minutes and had only been out of the tub for a short while. 
before Bishop arrived, yet her fingers and toes weren't wrinkled or pruned. The bathroom was also dry, so if Ryan had dragged Sarah's wet body from the tub, like he said he did, the tub and tiles would have been wet. Um, it was starting to look more and more like Sarah had never been in the tub in the first place. Sorry, I had a pause because I got way too sweaty in my robe, and I thought I was going to throw up. Um, but we're back. We're good. We're good. Anicia Das, a sleep expert, said that it would be almost impossible for someone not under the influence of extreme drugs or alcohol or something external, to fall asleep and not wake up in the bathtub. The sensation of the water on the face would immediately wake you up, and if that had failed, the gag reflex from the water entering your airway would wake you up. And if that failed too, the drop in oxygen levels would wake you up, according to Doss. So maybe Sarah hadn't fallen asleep, but suffered from a medical emergency instead. Again, there was no evidence of heart problems, brain injury, or a seizure. But, according to the coroner, the bruising on Sarah's neck and scalp were pointing to homicide. There is only one easy explanation as to how Sarah had wet hair and a dry body. Her head could have been pushed over the edge of the bathtub, forward or backward, into either running water or full water. Um, Ryan could have held her head underwater until she drowned. So, the defense argued, as expected, that Ryan had nothing to do with Sarah's death. They couldn't explain why Sarah had drowned that night, but they hoped to show that Ryan had no mo- motive, no motive to kill his wife. So part of the problem was that Ryan had told the 911 dispatcher that di- Sarah died when she fell asleep in the tub. He told the dispatcher that she does it all the time, and the defense called a doctor who specializes in emergency medicine. Dr. David Smile testified that unexplained deaths are not at all that un- not all that uncommon. Each year, approximately 300,000 people die unexplained sudden deaths. Um, there's a number to add to your anxiety because it's definitely going to add to mine. He said that 1-2% to 2% of those deaths occur in people under the age of 35. Remember, Sarah's 24. Um, one third of those young people who die have normal autopsies with no evidence of any cardiovascular, respiratory, or central nervous system injuries. Um, as for the damp hair and web, or damp hair and dry body, it was argued that it can be explained by the fact that it takes longer for hair to dry than skin. The big question was, though, could Sarah's body have dried off in the 6.5 minutes between the time Ryan called 911 to when the paramedics arrived? For the alleged vi- viral, hmm, I'm not sure that's correct. For the alleged violent struggle that left bruising on Sarah's neck and scalp, if there was such a struggle, wouldn't there be water all over the floors, counter, and walls? If the scene was staged and Raya had cleaned up the bathroom, where were the wet towels? The defense claimed that the bruising was a result of the 45 minutes EMT um, workers spent working on Sarah in the bedroom. Um, I didn't write it in here, but I had read that they had to tube her, like when they put the tube down the throat to get air. Um, and I know for a fact that when they do that, they don't care about anything else. They care about getting that tube in your throat. So if they hurt your neck a little bit, then they hurt your neck a little bit, you know? Um, after 22 hours of deliberation, jurors found Ryan guilty of murder, but he was acquitted from the more serious charge of aggravated murder, which indicates premeditation. Um, jurors didn't think that Ryan could have removed Sarah's limp body from the tub and placed her on the floor in their bedroom in the 29 seconds elapsed on the 911 call. Um... 
I don't know, though. You know, adrenaline adrenaline makes you do crazy things. Like, when I cheered, um, that rush of adrenaline made you throw people further than you thought you could. Um, But there was also a giant chunk of evidence that persuaded them to find Ryan guilty of murdering his wife. The absence of water on Sarah's body and around the bathroom. Um, In the end, they believed that he had faked his 911 call. And Ryan said after the verdict, I loved my wife. I did not hurt her. I was never given a chance. The day after she passes away, they charge me with murder. I didn't even, if I had an answer, I would give the answer of what happened to her, but I can't. I was not in the bathroom with her. The judge then recommended a sentence of 15 years to life in prison. Uh, but, but, the guilty verdict didn't last long. A juror had faxed the defense attorney's office saying that two or three of the female jurors had acted acted against the rules. Um, They had conducted their own DIY experiments, bathing, and then timing how long it took their bodies to air dry. Uh, They then discussed their results with the jurors during deliberations, and the panel had been strictly warned by the judge to only consider evidence that they had heard in court. Not home experiments. In one sworn statement, a juror had said that the home experiments highly encouraged their guilty verdict. Um, The conviction was overturned as a result of jury misconduct. Ryan got a second trial, and the not guilty count on the aggravated murder charge remained. So he couldn't be charged for aggravated murder anymore. The prosecution could only retry him on the second count of murder, so once again, Ryan walks out of jail after his family posts bond. Rachel Hutzel, a prosecutor in Warren County, Ohio, said Ryan did have a motive for killing his wife. It was just never presented in trial. She claimed that Ryan was a frequent visitor of the adult porn site called Adult Friend Finder, which was the self-named world's largest site for swingers looking for anonymous sex. Fun! Um... Hutzel says that she thinks Ryan or Sarah found out that Ryan was visiting the site and it resulted in a giant fight. Um, internet history showed that Ryan had visited the site multiple times, including the weekend before Sarah died. Hutzel claimed that this proved that they weren't a happily married couple, but prosecutors couldn't introduce the theory in court because the, they couldn't prove that Sarah actually knew about the website. So in June 2010, Ryan's second trial ended with a hung jury after jurors said that they couldn't make a decision after four days of deliberating. Ryan was tired at this point, obviously. I mean, he's been tried twice for a murder that he possibly did not commit of his own, of his wife, you know? Um, at least one piece of incriminating evidence was not permitted in court. Police had made a demonstration video that showed how Ryan could have killed Sarah, leaving her hair wet and her body dry. In the video, only the victim's head and arms are held under the water, and this theory may explain the strange streaks that were found on the inside of the tub. Um, Police claimed that Sarah left these marks while fighting for her life. So, one month after the second trial, attorneys for Ryan Woodmer filed a request for acquittal, saying newly disclosed information revealed Sarah Woodmer had suffered from a heart murmur as a child. Um, I have a heart murmur. They're not fun. This information was not represented, what, presented in the first two trials, and there was no explanation as to why the records were never presented to the jurors. 
In 2006, Sarah had filled out paperwork at her place of work saying that she was diagnosed with a heart murmur as a young girl. A cardiologist who was consulted during the second trial said that the murmur more than likely didn't cause Sarah's death, but there was also no way to be 100% sure. In my own past experience with a heart murmur, um, there are times when I do feel like I am about to die. Um, I'll, like, bend over um, really quickly, and my heart will, like, beat super hard in my chest just from the sudden, like, drop in elevation. Um, Or if I'm, like... If I get super excited about something really fast, my heart will beat really hard. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, you feel like you're about to die, but you're not. Um, hopefully. So the third trial to convict Ryan began on January 26th of 2011. One of the first people brought forward by the prosecution was a mystery witness, Jennifer Crew. Oh, Jennifer Crew. This lady. So, she had introduced herself to Ryan after seeing his story on the NBC show Dateline in 2009. Sorry, I had a sniffle. Their relationship involved emails, instant messages, and eventually phone calls. Jennifer then was 36, and she testified that Ryan told her during a phone call on October 29th, on October 29th, 2009, that he killed his wife by punching her in the chest, causing her to fall down and hit her head. She said on the phone call that he was crying at first and she couldn't really make out what he was saying. But eventually she heard him say, I did it. I killed it. I killed it? Oh my god. That's not what I meant to say. I did it. I did it. I killed Sarah. Jennifer said her heart fell because she believed he was innocent for so long. Jennifer also said that she, her first thought um, was that he was saying he felt responsible for her death because he couldn't save her from CPR. But Ryan persistently was saying that he did it. So according to Jennifer, Ryan said that on the night of August 11th, 2008, he and Sarah got into an argument after Sarah had found out that Ryan cheated on her while she was visiting her mother for a weekend. Um, Jennifer also claimed that they fought about pornography and Ryan's smoking and drinking habits often. Jennifer said that Sarah was trying to leave Ryan, but Ryan wouldn't let her leave. And it was then that Ryan punched Sarah in the chest in the bathroom where she was getting ready to take a hot bath and she hit her head. Uh, Ryan then cleaned up the scene, hid the wet towels, and called 911. If this is true, why hadn't Jennifer spoken before the third trial? She said she feared for her life and testified that she told Ryan she wouldn't tell anyone about his confession because he told her, I wouldn't want you to end up where Sarah is. Ryan also knew where Jennifer lived because he had sent her a free Ryan Widmer shirt, bracelet, and pen. Ryan's defense quickly shut down Jennifer's testimony, finding holes and inconsistencies in her entire story. And from that point on, she was not taken seriously as a uh, witness. Not a suspect. As a witness. On February 15th, 2011, only 13, or after 13 days of testimony from 44 witnesses, and a dozen hours of deliberation, Ryan was once again found guilty of murdering his wife, Sarah. When he was asked if he wanted to make a statement to the judge, he said, and I quote, I didn't do this. I don't know why this has gone on for so long. I loved Sarah. I would never hurt her. End quote. <laughs> Outside the courtroom, Ryan's father told reporters that his son was innocent, but Sarah's mother left the courtroom, courtroom quickly without talking to reporters. The judge, Neil Bronson, then sentenced Ryan to serve 15 to life in prison, and his first parole hearing is scheduled for 20, 
or July of 2025. So, four more years. While Ryan was waiting for his second murder trial, he found another blonde woman named Sarah. Ooh. They ended up having a child in August of 2010, and they named him Ryan. Hmm. His girlfriend, Sarah Manners, was not in court during testimony in the third trial, but she was there when the verdict was read. Um, Michelle Barry Godsey, one of the attorneys working for Ryan's appeal, said that the relationship just evolved when Ryan was desperate for support to get by, knowing he was an innocent man. Uh, she then said that Sarah Manners was just one of hundreds of people contacting Ryan to show their support, but they happened to click and then a relationship followed. Think what you want about this relationship, but I think innocent or guilty. It's crazy that her name is also Sarah. Um, that's just strange. I don't know. The world works in crazy ways sometimes. So in February of 2017, it was announced that the judge had rejected Ryan's 2015 appeal for a fourth trial saying that it would be ridiculous to proceed, Um, and in the 160-page ruling, the judge said that the verdict would not change, basically. Um, But Ryan was not giving in, and neither was his team. So Michelle Barry Godsey, Ryan's defense attorney, filed 17 objections to the judge's findings and recommendations and asked the court to either free her client or allow the case to proceed to appeal. She ended up writing a 92-page document, um... This podcast is 12 pages long, and it feels ridiculous, so imagine a 92-page one. Well, uh, the main arguments she provided were the home's bathtub was legally seized, testimonies regarding prints on the tub were based on junk science, and Ryan's defense team should have been allowed to test Sarah's DNA for a rare genetic disorder, um, along with the juries should not have been told about the lead detective Jeff Braley's alleged mis- misrepresentations of his qualifications. Um, I do not remember what his misrepresentations of his qualifications were. Once again, I should have researched that. That's my bad. Sorry. So Janice Hissel got a hold of Ryan's story and became so inspired by it that she wrote a book. Uh, this book was called Submerged. Ryan Widmer, His Drowned Bride, and the Justice System. It included a new revelation about Sarah that was never, um, I typed broached during the three trials. Um, I don't think it's broached. Um, a new revelation about Sarah that was never introduced during the three trials in Warren County. Uh, Janice, who covered the case during her 15 years as a reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer, uncovered long-forgotten notes written by Ryan for his lawyers. In these notes, Ryan said that Sarah exhibited odd behavior, including the night she drowned. She walked on her tippy toes. Hmm. Remember when I told you to think about that? Here it is. So, Ryan's notes were never mentioned during the trials, even when Sarah's health became the topic, topic for debate. Ryan's observations, if accurate, suggest that Sarah might have been suffering from a neurological disorder. Unfortunately, Warren County prosecutors have declined to release Sarah's DNA for additional testing. Um, Like I've said before, I I know nothing about legal proceedings. I am not going to be a forensic psychologist, um, but I am almost positive that everyone has a right to a fair trial. And if the prosecuting team gets to bring new things that are proven faulty, like Jennifer Cruz's testimony... Uh, why doesn't the defense get a test DNA? That is real science. Hmm. 
If the prosecuting team gets to bring forward a bathtub that was illegally seized out of the home where the murder happened, um, and then say that streak marks found on the bathtub that's used almost daily means that the girl died there, why didn't why doesn't the defense get a test DNA? I don't know. Hmm. There was no testing done to see if she actually had narcolepsy. There was no testing done to see if she suffered from long QT syndrome, um, which can cause partial paralysis of the legs. Um, if you you should look up long QT syndrome and related to this case because, wow. Um, despite convicting Ryan of murder for his third trial in 2011, jurors were never able to agree on a scenario that accounted for all the evidence. They also failed to find a motive for why Ryan could have killed his wife. And sadly, that story ends here. That's, that's the case. Insane. Um, what do you guys think? I, when I was researching this case, I went into it thinking like, okay, so... I don't even know where to begin. I heard of this case a few months ago, and I put it on my list of cases to go over, but I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, it's really, it's a lot. There's a lot to unfold. Um, But I sat down, and I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. So I went into this case thinking he was guilty. But now after doing my own research, I think he might be innocent. I don't know. I That DNA needs to be tested. That's all. That DNA needs to be tested. I don't... I don't know. Um, it's so frustrating. So I guess we'll just, we'll just wait for 2025. And if I'm still doing this podcast by then, which I hope I am, um, we'll talk about it then. My stomach is so angry. Uh, so yeah. That's... That's all, friends. Let me know what you think. On my Instagram at Crochet and Crime Podcast or on my TikTok at Crochet and Crime Podcast. Okay. I'm I'm gonna let you guys go after screaming in your ear for a good I don't even know how long it's been. It's been a long time. Okay. I appreciate you all so much. You guys don't even know how much you make my day better. Um and before before we get too sappy, remember to lock your doors. And don't talk to creepy men. I'll see you guys later. Bye! I'm doing peace signs, but you can't see.